Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We remember on this day the memory of the Holy Hieromartyr Blaise of Sebast, a bishop who was known for his holiness. He, the stories around him, that you can find icons and frescoes about him, put him in a particular company of saints. I think of Gerasimus of Jordan of Palestine. Think of Saint Sergius of Radonezh. I think of Saint Seraphim of Sarov. And maybe Saint Seraphim there at the end maybe helps you think of what kind of saint that I'm talking about. It was kind of a, this is not a real category, but kind of like a micro category of saints who, and we can see this manifested in many of the lives of the saints, but uh, we see these particular saints depicted uh, with particular relationships with animals. Saint Blaise was known to live in a cave and he lived uh, during a time of great persecution. This is probably the reason why he lived in a cave. And there were basically governors, who, uh, the governor of the, his area was looking for favor with the emperor. And so he had some of his underlings uh, looking about for Christians. And they came upon this cave because they thought the Christians had fled from the cities. And so they went out to the wilderness and they came upon this place and in the life of St. Blaise, uh, it talks about how they came upon this uh, place where wolves and bears and all sorts of animals that you don't uh, associate with just kind of uh, blissfully uh, hanging out together. But there they were outside of a cave uh, because, because they, had come, they came there, gathered there when St. Blaise would pray. And then St. Blaise would come out and bless them. Uh, he would um, heal them, etc. So they ran back, told the governor, and then they came to get St. Blaise and then took him. And as he's going to his place of future martyrdom, uh, he's going and he's giving blessings. He is working miracles. Uh, there is the encounter with one particular lady, this is one more animal story, uh, where she said that a wolf had run off with her pig, and she tells, uh, he tells her, don't worry about it, and a few moments later, the wolf came back with the pig in its mouth, alive, of course, not, not bacon yet, and brought the pig back to the lady. So, what's going on with... Um, this trope, as it were, this, this beautiful image of peace with nature, in particular with animals, and animals that we know to be, well, not domesticated, but fierce, uh, dangerous. Well, on one hand, it is not like we have as moderns, especially since uh, Romanticism, um, a kind of love affair with nature, and we kind of give to nature uh, great uh, weight, uh, reverie, you know. Uh, just think about the way that we treat the, this area that we live in, the ways, you know, something about going on tops of mountains or seeing great vistas 
It just brings awe and some, there's something very natural, normal about that, even though uh, historically, actually, the wilderness for, um, this is why the monks went into the wilderness, is because the wilderness is a place that you don't really want to go because there are these creatures in them, right? Uh, they didn't have um, all the amenities. They didn't drive through a, you know, up a mountain in a four by four. They had a great respect and fear of the wild, as it were. And we, on the other hand, as moderns, have kind of flipped all of that. And we go there for inspiration and for Instagram pictures. St. Blaise, in his relationship with the animals, in many ways is an echo of what uh, the relationship that Adam and Eve had with the animals. And it is a greater picture of them of the reconciliation that is to happen with, between man and God, but then that that then spreads to all of creation. In Romans 8, we read about how creation was subjected to futility because of us. And it is through reconciliation with God, it is through returning to uh, the true order of things that we actually bring peace and reconciliation to the world around us. It's our role as Christians, and St. Blaise stands as an icon of this, uh, to reconcile not just minds and hearts of humans, absolutely, but in that train there is then the reconciliation of the actual world. Because all of it was made through Jesus Christ, and all of it points to and participates um, in God and what he has set for us. That the world is not just a shell, the world is not just something empty, but it's something that is alive with the presence of God. And so St. Blaise, at least in the East, I know there's some other traditions uh, in the Latin West about St. Blaise, because he's commemorated uh, a few days earlier in the Latin West, but in we call upon St. Blaise uh, for intercessions or help with domestic animals and for uh, livestock because of his uh, particular role, uh, the, the stories from his life about how he brought the reconciliation between God and man even into the world to fierce animals, uh, undomesticated animals, uh, and domesticated them or brought them more fully into a peaceful relationship. Uh, just like the echoes of the prophets, right? The lion is to lay down with the lamb, with the Messiah. And so we have St. Blaise, we have St. Gerasimus, um, we have all of these in the lives of the saints up to probably why St. Seraphim, because you have the, the famous picture of him with the, the bear, that he would feed the bear, and then they're kind of buddies. There was a relationship there that had healed what had gone back to the way that it should have been. Uh, I want to shift gears for just a second to um, just draw your attention, uh, not completely away from St. Blaise, but to uh, the passing of the Proto-Presbyter Daniel Kubiak, who, uh, if you go on the OCA website, uh, you can read about his life uh, Proto-presbyter, you may not have heard that, you've probably heard presbyter, priest, or archpriest, but proto-presbyter uh, means 
that he was one of uh, a few, I, I think in the OCA, right, he, there might be one of the proto-presbyter. I know, I think the other at the time, Father Thomas Hopko was uh, a proto-presbyter. But Father Daniel had a very long ministry. He was, as we were remembering uh, a few months ago in the Passing Metropolitan Theodosius, about being there for the uh, reception of the Tomos of Autocephaly for the self-governance of the OCA. Father Daniel was a part of that uh, group that went over to Russia to receive that, and he uh, played a hand in at the national level for the OCA uh, once it became self-governing uh, for a long time. And there's some great videos of uh, interviews with him just to get a little snapshot uh, into the life of the uh, church that we have received from our fathers and mothers in the faith, uh, to just get a little pinprick into uh, ministry that has been going on for a very long time. Uh, especially, uh, there was a joke he talked about retiring for the fourth time because it seemed like he would go, he would do a job and he'd retire and then that he'd be called upon to do something else and then he'd be called upon to do something else. And in this final, uh, he had been called upon, his fourth retirement was in planting a mission, I believe in his 80s, that he planted a mission uh, in Maryland, and now that's a live stream, the, his burial service uh, today from that mission that is now growing into a uh, nice-sized parish uh, from his work late in life. So we give thanks to God for all the servants that go before us uh, who have laid uh, a path for us to follow, and especially as they and their efforts try to imitate those like St. Blaise who um, give us a great picture of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. To him we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And just a moment